When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business, where we're putting the business back into lady business. Today, we have Lindsay Taylor-Wood. She's the founder, CEO, and what did you say? General partner at the home? Yeah. All the things. All the things. So she's got a lot going on. Um, and we're going to hear from her about all that the helm does. So welcome on to taking care of lady business. Thanks, JJ. I'm happy to be here. I'm oh, happy to have you here. You have um, such an interesting business model and I can't wait for um, everyone to hear about it. So why don't we start by saying by asking like what, you know, give us a little background of what the helm is exactly what it does. Yeah. The helm is a fund and platform that makes it easy to invest in women. And we do that in two primary ways. So the first way is that we have a venture capital fund um, and we make direct investments into early stage companies that are founded and led by women. Um, We also have an angel network, a membership community um, of angels who maybe aren't quite ready to be an LP yet, but still really care about investing in women or are more prolific angels who want more agency over the deals that they do. And so that's another way that we invest in women. And then we have a content and commerce platform where you can uh, read all about female founders and funders, as well as shop their products and services. So we are sort of an all on ramps to driving capital towards women place to go. I love it. Same mission that we have here at the Justice Department. All right, let's back up because I I really uh, wanted to start this podcast because there were so many things that I didn't know and I wanted to interview my friends to learn about them. So you had mentioned that you get money from LPs. What is an LP? An LP is a limited partner. So think of it as a group of people who come together to write checks that go into a big pot and that big pot is called the fund. And then the general partners, so myself and uh, two other women, are the people who then take that capital and we deploy it. So we make direct investments into, again, those early stage companies that are built and led by female founders. And what? And so early stage, by early stage, you're talking about ain't like seed round, like... 
Yeah. So our sweet spot is seed. Um, if, if you're following the sort of venture landscape, anyone who's listening, you'll know that early stage investing has come to sort of mean all sorts of things these days. Um, so I think Fred Wilson literally just did a post about um, $100 million seed rounds, which is just absolutely insane. But typically, yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't make sense. Um, but typically early stage for us, the sweet spot is seed. We do some pre-seed. Um, we will do some strategic uh, series A. But what our sort of sweet spot is, is um, looking at a company that has enough traction that we can feel confident in what they're doing versus pre-seed where you're really buying into a vision or an A where you're really scaling something that already works. Um, Seed is, you know, minimum viable product. They have something in market, even if it's a handful of users or consumers um, or, you know, B2B, other businesses who are participating or a product that we can literally look at, um, play with something that's in market that says, this is working. We have traction. We need your help to get to the next step. Right. Right. Okay, great. Now, thank you for that. I don't want to assume everybody knows everything. All right. So let's then back up a little bit. So why did you start the helm? What made you think that this was necessary? Yeah. As you've heard me say many times, one of the things I was solving for was the realization that women give their money away and men invest it. And being really stunned by that, um, by virtue of the origin story of our company. So my background is in women's rights. I spent my Can whole Can we stop one second before? Sure. What Lindsay says, which I, I actually quote her all the time, is like women are asked to give their money away to like to nonprofits and charities and like here buy this $25,000 table at La 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 Gala. And a guy at that probably same gala is asked to give $25,000 that his wife bought the table for or something is asked to give $25,000 to invest in a company where his investment, he doesn't know if it's going to get back, but the likelihood is much bigger than if he, she just, you know, invested in the nonprofit where you just, you give your money away, not because not to say that there's not good purpose and whatever, but you say that a lot. And I think it's, you're right. I have heard you say that before, but I think it's so poignant and like, it's worth just like highlighting a little bit. So anyway, go back to where you were before that. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm so glad. I, I know that really resonated with you and it does so many women. And um, I always say like, there's always an audible sort of response when I am speaking or sharing that um, not only anecdote, but I think sort of fact Yeah. Uh, with women who have just never thought about it before, but um sort of circuitously, how I arrived at that was my background is in women's rights. And I spent my career in a number of different roles, be it NGOs, working on the front lines, um, media, early stage technology companies, then had a consulting company working with high net worths, family offices and talent through line, always supporting women and almost always funding women in terms of philanthropy. And Basically, after well over a decade of doing that work, I was sort of looking around at all of the different things that we had been investing in. And I'm talking, working with, you know, some of the country's most prestigious and prolific philanthropists, pouring millions and millions of dollars into these areas. And yet I was looking around and no matter what we were working on, whether it was women in front of and behind the camera, women in the C-suite, access to sexual and reproductive health and rights, it just felt like and the data told us we were often flatlining or moving in the wrong direction. And it just stunned me. And I felt so, I was sort of having this like crisis of faith 
Um, and so I spent a year at that point really doing a listening tour and speaking with anyone that would, you know, engage me in conversation about why it was that charitable giving had become this catch-all for quote unquote investing in women. And yet we weren't seeing the sorts of social returns we wanted to see. And then I wanted to understand like, okay, what other levers are there for creating systemic change that are being underutilized? And I came across this wild and crazy world of venture capital and was told that 2.3% of all venture capital went to women, which said differently means 98% of the world is built by men and they're the ones who profit from it. And when you really start to sort of deconstruct why the world then looks the way it looks, whether it be not having parental leave or fair pay or clean supply chains or you know having to address sexual harassment in our everyday lives and work, um, it just started to make a lot more sense. And it, it was sort of bewildering to me that there wasn't more attention on that as a driver for systemic change. And so to that end, I wanted to create a company that made it easy to invest in women And so coming back to the original sort of anecdote we were just chatting about, I thought having worked with some of the country's biggest philanthropists that when I started this, you know, company and raised this very small proof of concept fund in 2017, that I would raise it super quickly because compared to the checks we'd been writing, it was nothing. We raised just under a million and a half dollars for the first fund. And I was met with so much resistance and so much fear and so much discomfort from these women. And that was when I realized that they were totally willing and able to write these multi-million dollar grant checks, but completely uncomfortable and loathe to write a check that was purely for a financial return or even for a social and financial return And I will tell you that in the beginning, I was so angry about that. Mm -hmm. And my process had been so fast of like, okay, this makes sense. Like, let's speed up, right? Like, let's all get on board. This is like very clear. It's very clear. But as I have now spent many years doing this work and engaging with hundreds of, you know, or thousands of women, I've realized that we are so conditioned by the patriarchy, frankly, to not have a comfortability around or a literacy around or, you know, uh, access to or agency with our own capital. And it does make sense that if you've never invested before, you're not going to go from having never invested to becoming an LP, where oftentimes the buy-in is $250,000 plus to join a fund. And so when we started, we really wanted to then address that in two ways. One way was having a much lower minimum check size and capital contribution for people in fund one. And since then, we've sort of pivoted to, for people who are more comfortable and understand the value proposition of being an LP, those minimums are much higher and for good reason. But we have created an angel network so that women can still participate and write much smaller checks as Mm -hmm. part of special purpose vehicles and still participate in investing in these companies. And so really meeting women where they are and then also providing them with education and community along the way, because I think part of so much of what gives men confidence is just osmosis. They're in the rooms, they're around the conversations, they're sort of looked to for their leadership in a space where actually statistically women have shown to be better investors. But I think because of osmosis and just being by virtue of the way they move through the world and the sort of narrative that we have around men and money, they just feel more confident and comfortable. So we're trying to create an ecosystem by which 
we can provide those things for women so that, you know, they may start writing a $1,500 check. And then hopefully as we grow with them throughout their career, and as they generate more wealth, by the time they get ready to become an LP, they really trust us and understand how we can partner with them and we're the place they go to write those bigger checks. So that's how we think about it. That is so much to unpack right there, because like you, I started the business. It's infuriating. I found it infuriating as well when I first started that people, you know, or started getting into gender equality that women were not as upset about being paid less than men, you know? And even when I tell the stories to men about the things that I see, they're like, well, that was a long time ago. That's not now. It's like, no, it's now. Like my daughter and son are eight years old. My daughter has almost zero chance in her young life to make the same amount of money as her twin brother in the United States, given how the world is now. And you let that sink in and go, wait, what? And so after years, if, you know, I'm a single mom, if they just went on their own path, I gave them a college education and they both leave with no money, right? My son will have so much more money than my daughter. If they never got married, you know what I mean? They never got inheritance, anything, which we're not going to get that much because I'm a woman. (laughs) Um, He will have so much more money than her. Yeah. And I don't know why that is not like a national emergency, because if you assigned a race to them, assigned a sexual orientation to one of them instead, it would infuriate people. But we're because we're 50 percent of the population, people just don't take it seriously or, or because women don't think that we deserve it. Back to your point. And we've been systemically like conditioned. Franchised. Yeah, that we don't deserve money or wealth or we shouldn't talk about it and it's yucky and no, 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 but we have to, you know, so I love everything that you're doing um, because it is, it's like an education at the same time, right? It's like showing them. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you said something at the end, like one of the last things you said, which I think is like really the kernel, which is like, but we have to, right. And like, I remember I was on a text chain with, um, uh, six of my of my closest girlfriends who are all founders, CEOs, executives, and I was sharing this. They, I mean, obviously, they all know what I do for a living, but I was having a day of like s- sort of heightened frustration. This was in the last six to nine months, um, and I was saying to them, like, okay, but like you're the prime example of women. Like, why are you not investing anymore? What's keeping you from being more involved in your day to day finances? And I would say, just to be clear, like in relationship to most women that I come across, these are women who are in these rooms and circles and at least sort of understand the value proposition and nomenclature and have some sort of literacy by virtue of their work, but they still weren't perhaps as like active or involved as I would have anticipated or hoped for. And so I was asking them like, what is it? And the thing that I, we collectively sort of arrived at after one of the longest text chains I've ever had that lasted over like days and hour, you know, hours and days was we're all so busy trying to be all of the other things that have been sort of put on us, like the perfect wife, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend, the perfect CEO, the perfect this. We're taking care of so many other aspects of things like, you know, very in the vein of Eve Rodsky, like there is, there is not already fair play. So then to add 
another thing on top of it, another thing we have to learn, another thing we have to manage. It was so fascinating to me that that was actually the sort of bar. And yet the thing that I really came away from is exactly what you just said. It's like, yeah, it sucks, but we have to, right? And the thing that like, Mm -hmm. I just wish we also talked about more culturally is if feminism is social, political, and economic equality, and we think about we've spent almost since the inception of the country focused on social equality, I would argue in the last 10 to 15 years, women in politics and political equality has become much more timely and more, um, you know, has garnered our attention much more. Economic equality is never dealt with I know. as a whole. And yet I would argue it is the driver. It is the gatekeeper of both social and political equality. Yeah. And so it is, it is just, it's the thing we have to do and it sucks and it's hard and we're behind and we're starting from the back of the pack, but we just have to. And that's like where I'm at. And so, you know, it does, it makes me crazy and I can get super hot headed about it and fired up about it. And in many ways, that's great. Cause that's what drives my work. But I do, I think, you know, at the bare minimum listening to one podcast or reading one article, like we just have to, we have to start somewhere and nothing's going to change. No, exactly. And yeah, it's incumbent on all of us, but it's also incumbent upon men. And that's the other thing. It's like, okay, fine. You can post about abortion rights. You can post about the women, you know, women's equality, but where are you showing up? You know? And like you said, it's like, like part, like the economic equality, Yes, we are in a capitalist society. You can hate it all you want, but we are. That's not changing, you know? And it's not changing because what is the alternative, you know? I would also argue because like, you know, in the work that I do and that we both do, there is so much pushback against capitalism, fair fair pushback and criticism. But I would also argue like, we have no idea what a capitalist society looks like with women and minorities at the helm. True. To even say that like, we know what a patriarchal capitalist structure in society looks like. We have no idea what a capitalist society looks like that is truly inclusive and intersectional. And so I think there are many things that we could, you know, do within the container that exists before we are you know, completely convinced that there is no reason to participate because it's all bad. Like, I don't, to your point, like this is what it is. And so let's create change where we can. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that if all women have the equal wealth to men. So when you're talking about a Bezos and a Musk, you're talking about Taylor Wood and justice. And we have just that you and I would take our individual private planes to small islands to have sex with underage boys. You know what I mean? <laughs> with well, you only, at the helm. And you, like, and I you seriously only, doubt it, you know? Yeah. And you only have to look so far as the women who were married to those men to see how exactly. differently they spend their wealth, whether yes. it's Mackenzie Bezos or Lauren Powell jobs or yes. Melinda Gates. Um, yes. You know, I think, I think the proof is in the pudding and we see that in, in, in the world of development, right? We know that women invest back into their communities. And so one of the things I've always argued is like, I think that we see that when women have wealth, um, I, mean, I wish that they would do not just chair. I, I wish they would do a lot more funding of female founded companies. Right. And not and you that- both, although it's starting. Right. So Melinda starting. has pivotal and sooner. Yeah. 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 Totally. But I think there again, I think it's, I think it's like, let's be louder and champion and cheerlead for the women who are at least starting to, because I True, think if those women 
that then invite other women along which I very much see. I mean, one of the women who's dearest to me and has been most formative in my career and in my life and who really kickstarted my company and was willing to take a risk with me. The first thing she asked me was, do you think you're too early? And I'll never forget that question. And I was, and everyone Mm -hmm. thought I was mad. I mean, my hat's off to female founders fund and BBG who at the time were sort of the only people I knew of in the space and so I was like, yeah, well, you know, two people have done it. I'm sure it's fine. And, yeah. and then, you know, I just look back and I always think about her asking me that. And now I don't know, what are we at five years later or something? I'm, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Like I was so early. And so I've gotten to the place where, again, I've tried to move away from the outrage to, yeah. or at least funnel it into like, okay, we're going on a journey. It's going to be a long journey. Like who's going to come along one step at a time. And, you know, I, I, my hat's off to, to those three women that I just listed while I'm with you. I think they can, should, could do more. Um, at least they're starting the conversation around what investing yeah. really well, means. They, they've invested in, in amazing charities, but you know, I have this, this really, um, interesting conversation the other day it was really great with a woman who started a nonprofit. And I was like, can you name a nonprofit that doesn't exist because of white man's greed? Hmm. You no. Know? So back to what you were saying, it's like, you're yeah. funneling it through kind of like a necessary way, but just as necessary is from the top down and giving women money so they can make more money. So then they can funnel it to other people and they can make more money. So, you know, I think it's all across the board, right. And you, you know, level out that, that playing field. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about what the helm does on the day to day. We know the reason why, and we could talk about that all day long, (laughs) but like, tell us about some of your portfolio companies and their products and, and what you focus or like, what is your investment thesis? Yeah. So we are generalists. So we look at virtually everything. However, um, one of the things that I noticed very early on was that of the 2.3% of venture capital that goes to women, there seemed to be a wildly disproportionate amount of that capital that went to CPG companies specifically, as well as consumer oriented companies. And what that really said to me was, you know, already we're seeing so little innovation that is being funded that's led by women. And now we're sort of um, relegating it to not to say that the women building in those companies aren't amazing. We should be able to innovate however we'd like, but it was really interesting to me that like, if someone had a clothing or a beauty or a razor company or whatever, those were the things that were able to get funding. But yet women who were innovating in industries with hard tech or deep tech or, you know, industry like sectors, whether it was FinTech or ag tech or wearable technology or things that were, weren't consumer product goods, we're not really getting attention and they weren't getting funding. So with that, um, we have only invested in one CPG company. It's a direct-to-consumer hijab company. And that was really because we saw a massive market and underserved market for women who want to wear a hijab. Outside of that, we've really focused on, and as of late, especially things like women's healthcare, climate tech, fintech. Um, we're looking at some different companies and aging in the death tech space, so really wanting to, to get to those women who have been histor- historically underrepresented and underfunded. As for specific portfolio companies, I would say um, the one from Fund One that people tend to, to know about, and if you don't, would highly recommend that you check out, is a company called TIA. Um, it is reimagining women's health care. So think about like a one medical meets Planned Parenthood 
rather than have to go to five different physicians for the various things that you need as a woman, you can go to one clinic and you can you can um, access the sort of Eastern and Western medicine that that speaks to your whole woman in one place. Mm-hmm. We were one of the earliest checks into TIA and they just raised a hundred million dollar series B. Um, That's amazing. Uh, r- roughly at a $600 million valuation, um, which I can't, I can't say for, uh, yeah, I can say, but not say. Uh, so we're really excited about that company as well as, um, from fund one, I would say a company to watch is called rebellious foods. Um, fun fact, one third, I believe of all of the chicken consumed in the country is from, uh, schools, hospitals, and prisons. And this woman wanted to find a way to make that more healthful, those options more healthful. So she created a plant-based, um, sustainable meat called rebellious foods and they are out raising their series B. They're um, both B2B and D2C. They're kicking ass, really amazing. From this portfolio or this fund, I would say, um, fun two, uh, I'll tell you all five really quickly. So one is um, early stage cancer detection for ovarian cancer. It's called AOA. One is the first um, at-home diagnostic test for ovulation that measures both LH and progesterone quantitatively so that you can see when you're ovulating throughout your own cycle rather than you did or you didn't. Um, that's the first product. There are many others coming out. She has 55 biomarkers that are patented with the technology that she's created. The next one is a vertically integrated supply chain for cacao run by two Dominican sisters who grew up with a father who was a cacao farmer. And they saw how disenfranchised um, cacao farmers were and how much opportunity there was to integrate the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Um, The fourth one is a company called Real World. Think NerdWallet for millennials. So it's for young adults when they graduate from college or they sort of enter into the real world for the first time. Many of them, apropos of our last conversation, have had very little experience with bank accounts, credit cards, loans, mortgages, car payments. Um, And so this allows them to sort of get a quick and dirty education around what each of those things mean. And then ultimately we'll connect them with the right service providers for their specific circumstances. And then the last one, which is always my favorite to talk about, just because you can't write these things, it's too perfect, um, is a space uh, a, a space plane we invested in. Um, it is a company that was founded by a husband and wife team, both NASA and Virgin alum, along with a third gentleman. And they have made um, real strides in innovating around the hydraulic engine so much so that they're building a space plane that could get you from Tokyo to Los Angeles in an hour. But my favorite thing is that her name is Sassy, which you just can't make up. No, it's like so, your name like Jennifer Justice. When, um, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's perfect. So oh, that's God. that's like a sort of wide look at that the company is so wide. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Okay, so you have a couple of parts. So you have the venture fund where you have limited partners, and then you you in, invest. And then tell us about the angel investing thing, and talk a little bit about SPVs. If people don't know what those are, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of women don't. Uh, special purpose vehicles, and so how does that network work? So, um, as I mentioned earlier, for some women, 
understandably, their journey is not zero to a hundred. And so going from, you know, whether it be public markets or having more conservative approaches to investing or having never invested, moving into alternative investments and specifically venture capital, which is the riskiest asset class can be a a journey. And so we really wanted to provide an on-ramp for them that felt accessible. So you can join the community for $700 a year. You get a six-part masterclass and what it means to angel invest, um, which is, is really, really beautifully done. And I can't say enough about even joining just for that alone. And then you're in a community of women where there are 80 plus women right now. I think we've moved $750,000 in the last six or seven months um, outside of the fund. And the goal is to be able to write small checks that feel meaningful enough to the founder, but you know aren't going to break the bank for you if the company doesn't work out. And what we do is we send out an investment memo. So we do all of the diligence for you. We send out an investment memo about the company that we choose each month. You can read that over and then you join a week later for a call with the founder. We do a Q&A with the founder for roughly an hour. The first part is me interviewing them. The, the last 15 minutes are questions from the group. And then we say goodbye to the founder. And then um, you can ask questions that maybe you didn't feel comfortable asking in front of the founder. And we have some time for that. And then we sign off and then we see how many people are interested. Everyone can fill out a quick form on a partner uh, platform called Assure, which indicates how much capital they'd like to put into the deal. And if we have enough momentum for whatever the founder has set the, the minimum sort of uh, you know capital contribution at, if we have enough momentum, which so far we've done every deal, then we put it into what is called a SPV, a special purpose vehicle, which is a vehicle that allows a number of different people to come together and syndicate um, a deal. So it means that whereas you know one person may not be able to put in $25,000, if a group of people come together, then they're able to meet the minimum threshold, which allows an investment into the company. And I'll also offer that because investing in what you know is the best way to learn, that is where we actually send a lot of our CPG and consumer-oriented deals. So things that we see that maybe aren't the right um, you know, thesis for the fund, they may be a great opportunity for members. And so that is what we're up to. And it's been really, really amazing to see so many women who are new to the investment space come together and and have a really, um, you know, valuable and successful experience. And so how do you determine who can, which companies that you put in that? that It's really the same way that we diligence companies for the fund. Like if you, you know, if a company comes in, it's the right founder, the right market, the right TAM, you know, the total addressable market, if there's a big enough opportunity financially, um, for instance, you know, one thing about venture is not everyone needs venture capital, right? right. If you're, yeah. if you want to be a small to medium-sized company, or maybe even a big company, but you're not looking to be a billion-dollar company, then venture capital might not be right for you. But it may be right for angel investing, or it might be right for a different kind of capital. So, for instance, you know, the deals that we look at tend to be consumer CPG for membership or 
um, alternative sort of uh, revenue structures. For instance, we did a company called Dog Drop, which is franchising doggy daycare. Franchises don't tend to be a great fit for venture capital, but it was a great opportunity for angel investors. Um, Another example would be we use our community a lot like a growth fund. So if we have a company in fund one that's performing extremely well and we want to exercise our pro rata or follow on or acquire more equity, we can go out, which is amazing for these angels to say, this is actually a company that's taking off and we've been able to secure a certain amount um, of equity. So you know, it just, it's, it tends to be sort of a catch-all for things that, that aren't right for the fund. And that's also great for angels because they're able to see a really wide swath of opportunities. And then again, come in, um, at, at a check size that is more accessible than it otherwise would be to participate in a fund. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you also have the platform, right. That sells the products. Are these the products of the things that you invest in, but you don't Mm -hmm. just do consumer goods. So Yeah, no. And so I have a, we have a relatively big announcement coming up on that front yet uh, soon, which I can't, which I can't share total details about yet. Well, when your podcast comes out, we'll like, you know, it'll have come out by then probably. And we'll, we'll highlight it. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, (laughs) Pending pending nothing crazy happens, in which case you would have to edit this out. Um, We are being, uh, we're partnering with, it's sort of a, an acquisition partnership mashup um, with the Vertical, who is uh, a platform that lets you shop your values across a myriad different areas. So whether it's minority-owned businesses, climate, sustainability, supply chain, whatever your sort of values-oriented interests are, um, we will be the female founder Vertical at the Vertical. And so we will be migrating over to them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it really came back to in 2016 at the time when we started talking about this, just there was no one talking about it. And mm-hmm. we were so early. And it's amazing to see the cultural conversation happening now or starting to happen. But at the time, it was crickets. And so the idea was how can we create one place where no matter how little or how much money you have to direct towards women, we can provide an opportunity for you. And we wanted to acknowledge and to sort of honor that so many women, more women than not, do not have the resources to make direct investments, um, but they do have the resources and ability to shop their values and to support women with their wallets because we are all consumers. And so it was really about, you know, one of our, our primary goals and the things we're the most passionate about is democratizing access. And that was another way that we could do that. And so until now, and still for, you know, a little bit longer, we have this e-commerce platform where you can shop female founded businesses. um, And we're so excited to, to give it an even bigger platform through this partnership with the Vertical. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I think you uh, you have so many ways for women to invest in women. If you have a lot of money, you can be an LP. If you're not really sure, you can be an angel. And if you, you're just not there yet, you can shop female-founded products. So it's awesome. Crack, walking the talk. And the hell spend, am I doing? Investing the talk, spending the talk, funding the talk, something in there. I actually have to... Someone... Um, Christiane Lemieux. I hope I just pronounced her last name correctly. She's in We With Us. She's an interior designer, but um, we were having breakfast recently and she said, kick them in the wallet, which I just thought was the funniest thing ever. And I definitely have to do something with. So love it. 
Um, anyway, so um, we, you know, we're running out of time. I do want to ask, like, if you have advice for women who are trying to find, trying to get money in particular, um, you know, what do you, what do you see things that like, you know, maybe tricks that they could do to help themselves get funded or get in the eyes in front of people like you? I would say broad question, but yeah, it's a tough question because, because it's exactly like you said earlier, like this is the system we live within. And I want to be honest about the fact that it's a tricky one and a hard one, and it's not easy to get funding. I would say going to funds, angel networks, you know, platforms like I fund women, um, crowdfunding platforms that are, that have a gender lens is a great place to start. Not only because they're already looking for you. So, you know, you've already sort of passed one barrier. Um, but also because I find that women tend to be much more empathetic investors in the exchanges we have with female founders. And so I think sometimes it can be a good place to get your, your sort of feet wet because it can be sort of brutal to, to be going out in the early days only to men. And if you do have a product that's gendered, it's even worse. You know, there's so much resistance, I think, to, to female leadership unfortunately. So I think finding your people is, is a good one. And then one thing I would say, you know, it, this might be a slightly contrarian take, but I do think, um, I think you have to get to a place where you stand in your power because it's like people can smell blood. And like, even when like you have a founder who on paper, it all looks great. They have a great deck. They have a great business plan or whatever it may be. And then they're sort of meek or freaked out when they're on the phone with you. It's tough to overcome that because you, you want to feel as an investor that you can have confidence in whomever you're putting Mm -hmm. your money in. And I think that again, historically women, not potentially by, or perhaps by any faults of our own have sort of been pushed into this. Like, as you said, I don't deserve this. Who am I to be here? We all suffer from imposter syndrome. And so I would just say as many people as you can pitch, even if they're your friends and family, even if they're people who you actually know that you're probably not going to get a check from to get to the point where you can be really strong and really confident Mm -hmm. and really succinct and ready for those bigger pitches, I think is huge. Cause you don't, you don't want to sort of blow it. You don't want to go to like your dream investor right out of the gate. And then you're not, you're not sort of ready and you're not yeah. standing in your power. So getting through enough knows that you have, you know what it's like that blunt force trauma, you know what it's like, you know how to navigate it. You know how to take a question and pivot and, you know, thank you so much for that question. I'd love to circle back, whatever it yeah. may be that gets you to that place. I would love to see women do that more because I think the end result might be a little bit different at times. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really great advice because ultimately even Beyonce talks about how she has to be Sasha fierce to get on stage. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. That's such a great, perfect way of looking at it. What is your like founder alter ego? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I know we're running out of time. You obviously um, have a lot going on. So um, the last question I ask everyone is what is the worst advice you've ever received? It's such a hard question. I mean, I've had a lot of really shitty things said to me, but I would like, I would say that honestly, though, this is like a, this is like a weird way of answering this question, but I think like the worst advice is like advice 
that I gave myself when I wasn't in that power. Mm -hmm. Like it was like anything that I did that was fear-based always, always, always came back to haunt me. And so it was like, like, I don't know, I I'm going to like deal with this person because I'm so scared. I can't find another person that can do this job or I'm not strong enough to build this company on my own. So I'm going to go and you know, find co-founders that might not be the right fit for me and the company, you know, which is okay. But like, there are all of these decisions that I think you make really early on because you're so scared. Like mm-hmm. you're so scared about not being able to raise the capital. You're so scared about suddenly being responsible for people's livelihoods and families. And, you know, p- people are moving across the country and doing all these crazy things to work for you. And it's like the weight of the world and it's so heavy. And so I think oftentimes you, you come from this place of like, not like I got this, let me be really thoughtful and intentional and think about the long-term implications of something. Like it can be very reactive and very fear-based in the, in the beginning. And so I think like anytime I, I listened to that and I didn't just trust that I knew the answer and I could like sit with it and like find my way there. Those were always the moments that were the most explosive. Yeah. Amazing. No, that's good. You're the first one to say that. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love it. It's so true too. Right. Like fear is a motherfucker, right? It really is. It really is. (laughs) Okay. So people want to find you, join the helm, see where you are. How would, how do they do that? The helm.co is our website and it's also Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Um, and you can find, we're raising our second fund currently. Um, so you can, if you're interested in being an LP, you can learn more about that. You can learn more about joining our angel network. You can shop, you can read, you can do all the things. Um, and I'm always happy to meet anyone, men and women who are passionate about gender justice specifically as it relates to economic equality. So, um, please feel free to reach out if those things appeal to you and you want to join us in the work we're doing. Yes. Amazing. All right, everyone. Thank you so much um, for listening to this episode. Thank you, Lindsay Taylor Wood, for being here. Thank you, Um, This was the best way to start my day. Oh, good. I'm so happy. Um, Let us know who else you want to hear from. But until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.